Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 504, Power Rankings. Hello, Big Chillians, and welcome back to The Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, how's it going? Nice early evening for you. Yeah, only in the middle of the night, but aside from that, everything's going pretty well. Very nice. Conversation flowing to start the podcast then. <laughs> well, I was gonna—I was actually going to mention that I was on a slight, I don't know, like work trip slash vacation, and I was up in Breckenridge, and I was definitely over ambitious with what I think I could have accomplished from like an outdoor perspective. <laughs> Because From I had hike, high hopes. Like a hike? Yeah, because I was going to do, I had I had highlighted two hikes that I wanted to do. Um, both would have been at peaks of 14,000 feet. And the first one, though, like was only at the, like you only did the last, like, I don't know, 1,500 of like the elevation gain. Um, so it was kind of a shorter hike. And then towards the end of the trip, I wanted to do a much longer hike, like almost like a full day, like a 10-hour hike. And go up to you go up to like the peak of one mountain and you go along the ridges and you hit like five peaks in one go and then come back um but after literally the first night of going out i woke up and my whoop told me i was at like zero percent recovery my my uh blood oxygen level was 88 (laughs) percent and my heart rate was like crazy elevated so there was no way i was gonna be able to do it how much do you let the whoop recovery dictate your not, workouts not or... much but like i i knew i like i didn't feel great but to see my blood oxygen like below 90 is never a good sign like you're not you're not going to be in a top shape to be able to do some sort of strenuous activity so then this the i did end up going to like the gym at the hotel once we got to breckenridge which is really high elevation um and i did the elliptical at the it was the exact same elliptical same speed same resistance, everything that I normally do. And my heartbeat was 35 beats higher than it normally is. <laughs> so it was pretty crazy. Like I always underestimate the elevation, but it's, it's real. Yeah. I mean, I can even remember as a kid, you know, like living in Salt Lake city, which is decent elevation, right? That's like 1200 meters elevation in Salt Lake city. But like we would play against people who like, obviously if you go up to park city, where like some of the school, we had one school we competed against up in Park City, but also some others would play in the foothills of the mountains. And you would go up another, I mean, Park City is like 2000 meters. So already that's an 800 meter jump in elevation, right? And just that, even if you're used to the 1200 meters, (laughs) you'd suddenly go to the 2000 meters and feel not out of breath, but you'd like notice the difference. Like if you were suddenly in a, in like a difficult sports contest, you're you're noticing the extra 800 meters of elevation compared with someone who's just living there on a on a 24/7 basis. So, yeah, when you're then going from, I mean, where you're pretty much at sea level, right? Where you are in Arizona? No, actually, no, actually, Tucson's kind of high. It's like half a mile high. Okay, so it's like 800 to a thousand meters. All right. Okay, but still going up another. Yeah. What th- thousand? Wherever you're, yeah. like, however up high you're going. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a noticeable difference. No, it was funny too because we have we would like go down the hill. Like the resort was kind of on a little bit of a hill, so you'd go down the hill into town for lunch, and then every time we would come back, 
depending on who you were walking with, there'd always be someone who'd be like, all right, guys, I, I, I know this is bad, but can we slow down? <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, sure. I don't need like a 55 year old scientist passing out here on the sidewalk. <laughs> no, it's true. People really under, I mean, obviously from an athlete standpoint, they don't underestimate the impact of, of altitude because yeah. you do have people obviously doing altitude training and all sorts of things. I do think the average person, unless you're going to like Peru, kind of underestimates the impact, you know, like within the United States. I think most people are just like, well, of course I can go anywhere. And it's like, well, there's a huge variance in altitude yeah. from, you know, obviously mile high, mile high stadium gets its name for a specific reason. But, you know, those, you go to those cities where suddenly you're really operating at a different altitude. It, it has an impact on your body for sure. Yeah. And I, I'll say this though, altitude, being an altitude, you think it's going to get you in better condition but being extremely hungover overrides that because <laughs> then when, when I got back that night, oh. I flew in and went right to hockey and I tried Please. to find, I played hockey and it was awful. <laughs> Let me put this here. I don't think anyone thinks you go to altitude, drink for four days and you come back in better condition. I don't think. <laughs> I went to the gym twice. <laughs> oh, the hotel gym twice. Wow. Yeah. Did some, did some elliptical to, to yep. like burn off your hangover. I don't think anyone thinks like that's not how Tyson Fury is prepping for his fight. That's right? not how he's, it works. No, <laughs> oh, okay. He's not just going on a pub crawl at altitude. <laughs> now that would be awesome if that were the case. I think I could I, I could do some uh, altitude training. Yeah. Now where do we start? We've got some sports to catch up on. It's obviously been about a week since we recorded a podcast. Are we starting NFL? Are we starting European I football? Want, I want to start Mighty Ducks 2, season 2. Okay, that's not happening. That. No. We have so, so many fans who are probably hardcore fanatics of the Mighty Ducks season 2 game changers. Look, we can, you know, we don't do a lot of tracking of our sort of episode to episode statistical performance or which minutes of the podcast people listen to. But there was a noticeable drop off when we dedicated a significant portion of the podcast to the Mighty Ducks television series. So I don't want to, I don't want to, the people who managed to stick with it or the new listeners we've gained since then, I don't want to just completely give them the middle finger okay. and drive them off. I, I will just give you this information. Maybe the people who make the show listen to our podcast because they have eliminated the character who they called the human tripod. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so again, for those who haven't seen the show, it's like they're 12 to 14 years old, and one kid was nicknamed the Tripod. I mean, and after after we went after that nickname for four four straight podcast episodes in a row, I think I think the Mighty Ducks writers heard us, and and he's been swiftly eliminated. Wait, you say they listened to that? That's a shame because. That was one of the few things that was amusing from season one. So they have eliminated. They've gone, oh, let's just, there's Super unintentional. Super inappropriate humor. <laughs> there's unintentional humor here. Let's get rid of the unintentional. Let's just lean into the fact that there's no intentional humor. So I guess that's our summary probably of the Mighty Ducks TV show overall. Hey, if you want, we can start TV shows. Do we go TV shows first? If you want to go that direction. We've no, let's stick go... with sports. Let's stick okay. with sports. <laughs> So, we going NFL or are we going European football? Which wh where do you want to start? Let's do European football because I've actually got Sam on the phone here, and he's going to give us a little shout out about Arsenal. 
Are you going to do an impression? <laughs> but uh, yes, I mean, I think there's two major talking points from a European football perspective. Uh, one of which is Arsenal's, I guess, significant victory over Liverpool on Sunday. Uh, is it a stamp of legitimacy? I would say no, based on the nature of the victory. I think that was a draw on how the match itself played out. I know there will be complaints from Liverpool supporters about how the penalty that the penalty that was given to win them, you know, allow Liverpool, Arsenal to win the match. I think there's some would be some protests from that standpoint. So I think it was probably a draw was the fair result. So I don't think actually, if you're a little bit of an Arsenal skeptic, I don't think they did much in that performance in the. But- but even a solid draw against Liverpool, you know, when I think you would be one of the people who previously have said they are a good team, but they're nowhere near the top two level. But now to draw, I don't think Liverpool are in top two. No. So this is the issue. The issue we have is this is not, this is not the Liverpool team from last season or the season before. And so, you know, how do you gauge the quality of that result? And the issue I have a little bit is they started, you know, they, they scored within the opening minute. It was a great start from them. And then they kind of just sat back and allowed Liverpool to come into the match. To me, that was a little bit concerning because it was almost a team that was, it reminded me very much of what England do, where you have this attacking prowess, but you're in a match and you you have, you don't kind of have the courage of your convictions almost. And it like, it was reminiscent of watching the Euro 2020 final of England getting an early goal against Italy and then just going, oh, wow, we scored a lot sooner than we thought we would. Now what do we do? And they kind of just sat back and allowed Liverpool to come into the match in the same way that England sat back and allowed Italy to come into the match in the final. And then probably by the end of the 90 minutes, you almost flipped it to going, well, Liverpool, the better team. Even though, you know, they had to come from behind on multiple occasions and obviously ultimately didn't on the, in the, on the final occasion. But yeah, I didn't, it didn't win me over, but they've now beaten Spurs and Liverpool back to back. It's good. Like, don't get me wrong, the results, but the performances themselves didn't make me think. And, and look, it's a little bit tough, right? Cause I'm coming into it with being a skeptic. And it's like anything in life, when you're approaching it with a degree of skepticism, how much evidence do you need to convince you to change your beliefs? And I'm going to be one of these skeptics with the Arsenal team where I'm going to say, well, if they beat Liverpool, maybe I'll change my mind. They beat Liverpool. I didn't change my mind. You know, like, (laughs) I I don't know. No, that's not one of those people. That's just you. (laughs) No, look, that defines look, you. <laughs> if it, look, if the last two and a half, three years have told us anything, Frank, that's a lot of people in the world where their skepticism requires a lot of evidence to make them change their belief systems. And look, I don't know exactly when I'll believe in them. It's not yet. Now, I put it this way. They might be the second best team in England. That's a major upgrade on what they were coming into the season from my perspective. But I don't know. I don't consider them legit. I mean, look, I think City are going to run run away with the title. So I don't think anyone's a legitimate, legitimate title contender at this point. Well, I, I guess that's the question. When I say, is that like a stamp of legitimacy? I mean, as being, I would say, a top three. 
Because I, yeah. I, I think you're right. I, at this point, I don't think there is another club that can run with City. No, I mean, which is, I, I mean, look, Arsenal are still top of the table, right? It's like, it's very, it's, just, it's such a weird situation where, you know, everyone's but handing still, City, yeah, City the it's, title it's, and they're, they're not even top. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's but, very, but it's still so early that, you know, like who they've played obviously plays in to your, yes. to your point total still. I mean, it's like sure. the NFL. We talked last week about the Eagles. You know, the Eagles are undefeated, but what teams have they played and, and you know, what teams are they going to play? So that, that definitely, I think, plays into it a little bit. But I think, I think that city and Arsenal will sort itself out as the teams start to go through the schedule. But is it, is it still an upgrade if they are a definitive top three team? I, it's an upgrade on my preseason expectations. So, you know, I think they're ahead of schedule, probably even from their own perspectives. I know that there's a lot of Arsenal supporters now, including Sam, who are super optimistic about what their prospects are. And to a certain extent, they are helped by the fact that they're only playing Europa League football. You know, playing on a Thursday is not ideal. So there's that element in terms from a sort of scheduling perspective. It's not perfect. But if they really want to, they can just rest their team in the Europa League in a way that if it were Champions League football, they probably, even if they were willing to sort of let the Champions League go, they would probably feel compelled to play stronger teams in the Champions League than they can play in the Europa League and also would be required to in order to get decent results. So they're helped in that regard. When you think of pretty much every, I mean, all the teams they're competing against bar Manchester United for those that for that sort of top three, realistically, but I don't know. I think, I mean, look, I'd be surprised at this point if they finish outside of the top three. I'll say that much, but I don't think it's impossible because I don't totally believe in them. So if you told me they all of a sudden went on a run of you know four consecutive defeats and were suddenly sitting in fourth. I wouldn't be blown away. And it is still so early in the season. You know, it doesn't take that many poor results to drop a couple of places. So I think they'll, I mean, yes, I think, again, we spoke about it on a previous episode. I'm kind of just ruling everyone out else out in the process in terms of trying to figure out why I think they are a top two or top three team. It's not so much a stamp of approval for Arsenal as it is, well, I don't really believe in Liverpool. I don't really believe in Chelsea. I don't really believe in Manchester United. So I think that's, and, I, and Spurs, you know, who I think that's the, you're kind of finding more faults in their rivals rather than finding qualities in them. And again, that, that concerns me. But I guess the more, maybe more interesting news on the European football scene is the Kylian Mbappe situation, which has rapidly developed since the weekend. So he rapidly, had, yeah. I mean, he <laughs> yeah. <laughs> following their disappointing draw on Saturday, he had an Instagram post which he has subsequently deleted, in which he used a kind of disparaging hashtag in reference to the position in which he's played because he's very unhappy about the fact that he's forced to play out wide, uh, played up directly up front, sorry, and, and kind of played out of position, um, and now has, according to insiders requested a transfer, said he wants to leave in the January transfer window. This in spite of the fact that he signed a new contract only last summer. Uh, you know, we covered it previously on the podcast, how they had this huge celebration of the fact that 
Uh, he had signed that new contract right before their final match of the season. It It's just a bizarre situation. It's kind of difficult. He looks, it's difficult for him to look good, I would say, out of this, having having signed that new contract to seemingly be demanding it. It's also difficult you know, he's getting a lot of backlash when it comes to former players speaking about the fact that, okay, he's playing maybe not in his ideal position, but we're talking about a handful of matches or a few months. And if you're not willing to kind of be a team player for a short period of time and not play in your ideal position, then that's not a great look for you, that you need everything to be exactly your way, factoring in that he's playing in a team that also has Messi and Neymar in attack. So, you know, it's not as if he's being played out of position to allow sort of mediocre players to fill the rest of the attacking spots. But fundamentally, according to sources, this boils down to the fact that in the summer, he asked for two specific things to be added to the PSG squad, which was a sort of traditional center forward that he would be able to play off and a better central defender, neither of which PSG signed. So he is frustrated with the fact that he feels as if PSG have broken promises that were made to him when he signed his new deal. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate on this one. I mean, you were told that you were the star and the center of this team, right? They, You were told this offseason, this is going to be your team. We want you to be, you know, like front and center. This is going to be Mbappe's PSG and what do you want? We'll help you. We'll build around you. We'll do what we need to do. And then to turn around and, like you said, not get what he's asked for, but then also tell him it's his team, but that he's got to be the one that sacrifices and plays a position that he doesn't really want to play. I mean, I, I can see where you're upset about that. And, and I think that's the thing. Like we don't see the behind the scenes of how much are they actually saying that to him. You know, are they just saying that to appease him and to get him to stay? Or are they sincere in the fact that, no, you know, this is your team. Like, we don't want it to be Neymar's PSG. We want it to be Mbappe's PSG. And then completely go behind his back and not give him what he wants or do, you know, let him do what he wants to do. Yeah, and this is a tough thing. Obviously, very few people would be privy to exactly what promises were made to him when he signed the new deal. And I mean, even in the summer, there was a lot of talk about the fact that he was effectively Paris Saint-Germain's director of football or from an American audience, like kind of being like the GM in terms of he was the one making decisions almost on which players they signed and which players they could. And, uh, you know, supposedly PSG attempted to sell Neymar and couldn't find a suitable buyer. So from that regards, what do you want them to do? Like they, you know, they you've got one of the best, I don't know, 20 players in the world on as part of the squad. You can't just push him to the side because it kind of inconveniences Mbappe that he has to play slightly out of position if Neymar is also in the team. I just think it's a tough one because I think mo- if you look back historically or even currently, I think almost all of the best players in world football at some moment in time, just because of the nature of the sport, will have to play in a role that they probably don't ideally want to play in. And that's just, it's just the way the sport works almost. And if you're unwilling to do that, you know, Thierry Henry spoke pretty passionately about the fact that, you know, he played out wide both both at Barcelona and for France and didn't really want to, but understood that the team was asking him to do it. And I think as he kind of rightfully points out, if the team results 
then are good, how can you also be upset as an individual? Because then you're putting, you really are putting your individual requirements above that of the team. And PSG so far this season, whilst they haven't been incredible, have been doing pretty well. So it's not as if they're failing and Mbappe is being played out of position. You know, and look, I mean, it's just every player, you know, I, I actually think Thierry Henry, when he was speaking, he was either on CBS, I think it was on CBS's coverage of the Champions League. I think they have the and the U.S. coverage of the Champions League. He was speaking about it. He actually referred to the fact, oh, certain players you don't ask to play out of position. He referenced Alan Shearer. Oh, you wouldn't ask Alan Shearer to play out of position. Alan Shearer, during his time at Blackburn in the 90s, played out, you know, ran down the channels just in the same way. It wasn't until his knee injuries when it was just an impossibility for him to kind of fill any other role that he did that. I just think it's very hard to look back. You know, Wayne Rooney played out of position for a significant period of his career. In fact, I think his career, and look, maybe not an ar- great argument because I think Wayne Rooney's legacy is probably hurt from the fact that he was almost a jack of all trades by the end of his career. Um, but, you know, you can look at multiple players in terms of either how they're used on for their club side or their in, or their national side where they are playing in roles that they ideally probably would not want to occupy. I just think, look, it's a team sport. Someone asks you to play a little bit differently. If the team is doing well, he's the highest played footballer in the world. You know, it's not like he's sacrificing any financial incentives to do. I that. don't buy that one though, because like that, that's the weak art. Cause he could be making money anywhere. Like it, I get it. He's making a lot of money, but that whole, like just shut up and play. You're making a lot of money. There, he will be making money no matter where he's playing. So he has a right to be happy while he's making the money. I don't think it's shut up and play exactly, but I do think I'm when sure you... there are a significant amount of people who are saying that or have probably that general attitude. Well, I think there's lots of people who've had the shut up and play attitude in general for professional athletes just because they go, look, oh, you're upset about having to play up front versus out wide or out wide versus up front, but you're earning hundreds of thousands of euros a week. Come and get a real job and then try and tell your boss. I don't want to do that because it's not my favorite thing. You know what I mean? Which is like the real world sort of comparisons for athletes not liking things they have to do. It never translates well. And, and you so, know what the athlete says? Okay, but then randomly while you're sitting at your desk, I'm just going to take your head and smash it against the wall and then see how many times you can take that. <laughs> well, again... <laughs> Probably not a great comparison for the sport that Mbappe plays. But look, I don't – and again, I don't think that's the reason to be frustrated. He's incredibly talented at what he does. So, you know, he deserves the money that he makes because there is the demand for what the skills that he has. But I think so early in your career, being that inflexible about the role that you have to play, it's not great – and just overall, right, there's been earlier in the season you had whole issues over penalty takers at PSG. It's just there seems to be a massive ego battle there. And I think the danger for Mbappe is that if it turns into a little battle of egos, at the moment Messi isn't too directly involved in it, 
But the moment if he, for whatever reason, Messi gets dragged into it. Now, Messi is a very silent player, right? He's never going to publicly speak on any of these issues because he just doesn't talk publicly. He's like but, a mime. Yeah. I, for all I know, he might not even be able to talk. <laughs> like, he might be mute. But the moment when people do start comparing how Messi handles the situation to Mbappe, because there's such a large percentage of football fans who would think that Messi is the greatest player of all time to be on the same team as that player and be complaining that you might be playing slightly out of position you're going to lose that one in the public you know the the court of public opinion you are going to lose that one so i think so, that would be that would be the concern let me ask you a more serious question then who wins in a fight messi neymar or mbappe oh neymar it's not even close. Not even close. No, I don't. Yes. Neymar is the one to 10 favorite in that fight. Messi is the extreme outsider. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I mean. Now, uh, I, but, but I'll say this. It's, it's not like 1v1. It's all three at once. Well, based on the current situation, I think Messi and Neymar would just take on Mbappe. You think that's how it would work? Yes. See, I still think Neymar is the most unliked. <laughs> so I think there would be a teaming up against Neymar, and I then Mbappe think... would just take down Messi pretty quick. I still think Neymar would win. Even if you told me it was those two against him, I think Neymar would win. What specifically gives you this indication? I just think his background. I mean, I don't want to get too... Judgmental, I want right? to put you in a hole here. <laughs> I, no, I don't want to get canceled, but I just think I think his background overall makes me think that he'd probably be a little feistier, would just be my guess. And just his personality. Messi, again, I mean, look, they all come from quite tough upbringings, right? I was going to say, was it Neymar? Like, wasn't again the whole thing? He was like from like the streets of Paris? Mbappe, you mean? Mbappe, sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mbappe's from a, a fairly tough suburb of paris yeah like the fifth iron d spot right (laughs) yes he's he's from a fairly tough suburb of paris but i mean uh look i've 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 seen very few intimidating fighters on the streets of paris as a whole so oh really because your record would speak otherwise (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if uh mbappe's street cred would uh scare me off so i think i'd you know i'd defer to the Brazilian and Argentinian upbringing, and then you just factor in that Messi's quite small. I think that's quite what tiny. That's what he's got going again. The fact that he had he, to take hor- hormones to try and get to a size that was suitable for playing football kind of hurts his his reputation as a fighter. Definitely doesn't have the reach advantage in that fight. No, no, maybe a little bit. He's probably nim. I don't even know if he's necessarily that much nimbler because you know you're talking about two fairly nimble guys the other guys are also quicker I, I he's also the oldest he's got a lot going against him in that in that fight for sure <laughs> i guess speaking of we can transition that into the nfl speaking of physical altercations we can maybe go into monday night football and Devonte adams who at the end of uh, no, i didn't ex- i didn't know where you're going with this at first i was like players got into a fight <laughs> yeah but no, no only one was a player Yeah, and not even a fight, right? But at the end of a fairly exciting, if I guess controversial, Monday night football game in the Raiders against the Chiefs, you had Devontae Adams who 
pushed a cameraman as he left the field and he is now being charged with uh misdemeanor assault yes which is there's a again talking of backlashes there's a backlash against Devonte adams there's a backlash against the cameraman for filing the report yeah. i think everyone well, is I, getting criticism yeah yeah so i think again i don't the whole story hasn't fully come out yet but there is indication that the cameraman did go to the hospital after and was treated for something. Whether he went to the hospital because he knew if he was going to file a <laughs> file a lawsuit against them, he had to have some medical proof. Maybe that you play the devil's advocate and that's what you think. Or maybe, you know, he got pushed and bumped into something and like cut his arm and had to get a few stitches or something. You I mean, he was know, carrying, like, he was carrying camera equipment and got yeah. knocked directly over when not expecting it and, and kind of yeah. almost. Who knows? I mean, wall. I mean, something could have happened or right? I, I, okay. Yeah. He's not like, they don't have to amputate an arm off of him, but you know, like, who you know, he could have sprained an ankle, hurt, you know, hurt himself a little yeah. bit, you know, like stitches, who knows? And also anyone even being playing the devil's advocate and being critical of him for maybe doing it to open up the possibility of a lawsuit. Good for him. You know what? When that, when that guy turned up for work that day, one of the things he wasn't expecting to happen, you know, was not expecting to happen to him was getting just unnecessarily pushed over by a football player. I think there's this weird world we live in. I can't show up. You can't show up to the office have a bad meeting, walk out, and just shove an intern over. It would be so good, though. <laughs> and when they go, why do you that, Bob? fucking hysterical. If, like, you just got roasted in a meeting by your boss, and you step out and just toss an intern into, like, <laughs> it's like the little coffee machine. <laughs> you know, and people wouldn't go, oh, why, why did he do that? Oh, well, the f final couple of minutes, minutes of his presentation did not go well. Okay. Didn't get Sh that raise. <laughs> shouldn't he be in trouble? No, he's kind of a star performer, so it's all right. And that intern's a nobody. Like, let's, you know. Also, let's cap this entire conversation for eventually when we get to House of Dragon and no repercussion for, for serious altercations. Let's, let's, let's put a cap on that okay. and, and, and send that off to House of the Dragons. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but no, I mean, you're I, right. It, it's I just true. Think, like in no other job can you do that. <laughs> no. And so, yeah, he deserves. Now, look, I'm sure the guy in terms of the assault charges, that's just part of the lawsuit process. I would imagine he's gone to a lawyer. That guy should. Yeah, he's, got, he's got Jackie Childs, I think, is his lawyer from Seinfeld. Okay. I didn't. The reference. <laughs> was, uh, you didn't get that reference? No. That's, that was too much of a deep cut for me. Once you say Seinfeld, I know exactly who you're talking about. But aside from that, no. Um but yeah, he should absolutely be expecting some money here. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's unacceptable behavior and he should a hundred percent be expecting some money from either the organization or Devonte Adams directly. Like that's just, I'm not, I'm, we're not talking, I don't think he should be getting astronomical sums. Like this shouldn't be, he shouldn't be retiring as a result of the money he's about to get. But if you're telling me, oh, he got, you know, $10,000, so, fine. So what if, so do you think part of what you're saying that is because 
there was no real action on the part of the Raiders and Adams besides Adams sending out a tweet saying he's really, really sorry and he hoped this guy sees the message. Had the Raiders initially, <laughs> as soon as that happened, what, that's what he did. That, that was his tweet. No, I know, but just hoping the guy sees the message, yeah. Yeah, um, that's what he says at the end. He literally says, I hope he sees this. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing, obviously, full well, he will. Like, yeah, that's the... but had had the Raiders, like, instantly reacted and said, like, you know, we're really sorry, like, here's, I don't know, assigned football and season tickets or something like that for your family or something. It's always a tough one, right? Because once you get into these issues, there's the, you're going to have lawyers involved, and they're going to say, no, don't give him anything because if you give him something straight off the bat, then it's some admission of culpability. So, you know, like it all gets really the, – the waters get really murky really fast because you'll have lawyers saying, don't do anything. Like you're going to get sued. So if you give him something, it's an admission of guilt. So there's a really good Parks and Rec episode with that when Andy <laughs> falls down the, the pit. <laughs> <laughs> we were just going through American sitcoms. Yeah, it's a um, really good one. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's the thing that complicates it, right? Is is I can understand why something isn't immediately done. But look, I think the there's a pretty happy solution to this. I don't think Devonte Adams should be facing jail time for what he did. I also think that you should ultimately that this guy should probably be dropping the. Mr. misdemeanor assault charges because he should get to a point where it's just like all right let's have a civil settlement here and we'll forget about the rest of this fine that's the that's the point we need to arrive at Devonte adams is going to get suspended you know like that's i don't know how long you suspend him for i think it's multiple games yeah, but then, I think it's a little strong well look the nfl multiple has, games is a little strong for for someone who kind of just Toss the guy out of the way. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it wasn't even the... that hard of a push. In fairness, I know the guy wasn't. I know the guy isn't expecting it, and he's running and he's holding camera equipment. But he didn't yeah. like. He, you know, he didn't like uh, Adam Sandler, Waterboy, tackle him. You know, like into the stands. <laughs> it's a pretty hard shove. Here's the thing: is the NFL has messed up the sliding scale of their suspensions. Based on the Deshaun yeah. Watson, he's going to get three suspension. seasons according yeah. to. Well, no, you know what I mean. Like it's that all makes over. sense. I know that's what I mean. Like it makes no sense. It's all over the place, depending on so. You know, this is the issue they have. But so I let me throw he... a scenario out to you. You're the cameraman. The Las Vegas Raiders say, "Listen, you drop the lawsuit, we'll let you play next week." Do you take that <laughs> in place while he well Devontae Adams, Devante Adams has to no he has to be the photographer he has well, no, to so, go around so Devontae Adams is suspended but you're signed up to the team and you're played as like wide receiver one yes you're you have taken his position and he as uh, he has to actually take your position so he has to be a freelance photographer no 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 I don't give him the I don't give him the respect of handing over my camera. Well, not your camera. What if he has to use Any like camera. a Polaroid? I don't give a shit. He doesn't get to take photos. He's not. But in I the think. It would, but I think part of that would be great because then it would be like he actually has to do a real job. But he wouldn't. He, he wouldn't take it seriously. So I wouldn't give him that because okay, he's so not going to take it seriously. Okay. No. All right. Let's just do. Let's just do scenario one. Do you I want to drop get... all your charges and you get to be Devonte Adams for the next week's game? Do I want to get absolutely murdered on an NFL field? 
That's your question. But you get to be an NFL player for one week. The question is, how many players? How many plays do I think I could last? I mean, you're Devontae Adams, so you're no, in there. I'm not though. You're in there every series. <laughs> no, yes, no, I'm in there every series, pretty much. The question is, how many plays can I last? Like, <laughs> if this is me, how many plays? I think it's like a, I think like a real life Shane Falco. That's the replacements Keanu Reeves deep cut. I've got to, I've got to try and, I don't know. I mean, I would do a hundred percent. I would accept that just for the story. I think I get with one week of preparation. Yeah. I think. Oh I'm no, no, no wait! Don't they have a bye week? Don't they have a bye week next week? Oh, two weeks. Okay, let's give <laughs> me two go. weeks. You got two weeks. Uh, let's even be generous. Let's give me three weeks. So I can really, I can learn. No, no, I sit out the first game. I'm on the sidelines. I get to study the playbook a little bit more. Get the headset on. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I call plays for a few, you know. Um, Is is there anyone who doesn't take that? Yeah, the vast majority of normal human beings. Really? You think the vast majority, if if given the, you can sue and get, what are we thinking? 15,000? Uh, he might get more than that, but yeah, let's say fifty. Let's be generous. Let's say he gets fifty thousand. Fifty thousand, or yeah. you get like to one. be wide receiver one in the NFL for one for, week. Well, let's say two weeks because I think he's going to get a two week suspension. Okay, but let's say two so. Weeks. Let's say if you realis- can survive week one. <laughs> yeah, realistically, <laughs> if you're not dead. <laughs> realistically, three plays. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I genuinely you're a, rec- you're a receiver, so I mean you're only getting targeted. Eight times a game, anyway. The rest well, of the yeah, time, but, you're just like running routes or blocking. Yeah, but if you're the Raiders, play number one with me on the field is we're going to call a slant. We're going to send him right over the middle. <laughs> and Derek, you're going to just lead him. <laughs> I don't care if he's wide open. You're going to throw that thing like a yard in front of him and make sure some corner or safety or linebacker coming in is going to just absolutely destroy him like that. Dad, do you, do you, so you think that's the Raiders move. If they're forced to do this deal, the Raiders then turn around and say, how quickly can we get this guy killed? Yes. How quickly can we get him carted off the field? I think they look at me, if this is me, and they say to themselves, you know what we've always wanted? Debo Samuel. And then they just... <laughs> They just go, we're just going to, we're going to use you super heavily. You're involved in the run game now. And it is just one and done. (laughs) I think they look at me and say, we might have an upgrade. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting question, right? I mean, it kind of throws back. It's one of the questions I always like to ask in a bar, which is like, if you got given 10, $20 million and six months to 12 months to prepare, would you get in a ring with fill in the name of the fighter in boxing. Most people say no. Most people are very rational and understand their physical limitations. I wouldn't I would, do that. Oh, I would do it 100%. But I I would 100% do the football one. So, I mean, if I gave you $20 million and 12 months to prepare, you don't get in a boxing ring with, like, obviously, I mean. For an entire short, match. A fight, yeah. I mean, you're saying, yeah. I mean, you don't have to necessarily – I'm not going to force you to get off the canvas. Like, this is always the debate that comes into it. Like, if you just receive a heavy punch to the gut, like, I think you can't take a dive in the scenario. But you don't have to keep getting up, right? Like, you don't have to try and die in the ring. 
I mean, but I think you might just die in the ring. Like you take one good shot from Tyson Fury in in well, in the in the head. But you're not going to be fighting Tyson Fury, right? You just said I, mean, I have to fight someone good. But hey, you have to fight someone in your weight class. You're not a heavyweight. Like Jake Paul. No, but I mean, I don't know. Would you do it with peak prime time? Like a lot of people say they wouldn't even do it with like peak of his powers, Floyd Mayweather. I'd 100% do it. I, I'm oh, yeah, sure you, I, I mean, you, I think you can beat him. We know that. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I think like it's going to hurt. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think he's going to kill me in the ring. And again, if I get 12 months to prepare... And I've got $20 million, so I'm hiring the best trainers for those 12 months. I feel like I'm at least, I'm going to last a round or two. Like I'm getting my neck muscles strong enough to take a couple blows. And in the back of my mind, this is the issue. This is the optimism. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking to myself, if I land one of these, who knows? You know, even Tyson Fury, I'm probably thinking, I don't know if he's not seen this left hand before. If this lands cleanly, Tyson could be going down and staying down. But... Let's ditch the hypotheticals. Well, actually, we can stay kind of in the land of hypotheticals, finish up a discussion, I guess, about Monday Night Football because Monday Night Football was marred slightly. I mean, there was some questionable officiating over the course of that game. I don't think we need to dedicate too much time to that because, you know, the people with videos and stuff are analyzing all of those calls. And by now, if you want to look it up, you can go find people breaking down was the, were those calls right, comparing them with other calls that have been made over the course of this weekend, this season. I think the real question to ask is the decision to go for two at the end of the game. So for those unfamiliar, the Raiders tied the game with about four minutes to go or were in the position to tie the game. And instead of taking the point after, which would have tied it, decided to go for two to try and give themselves a one-point lead. Well, and did fail to convert and then did eventually get the ball back. So I guess they would yep. argue theoretically that the approach worked, but instead of putting themselves in a position where, you know, they, they kind of got to play with a little bit of the pressure off of trying to drive into field goal position to potentially win. They were trying to drive into position field goal position to not only potentially win, but also not lose. Yeah, but it's it's also it was a very strange game because the score before that the Chiefs actually went for two, yeah, as well yeah. and didn't get it, and then the Raiders said, "Oh yeah, you think that was bad? We can one up you, and we can also go for two and be even worse off than you yeah. guys are." So I don't I don't mind the going for two part. Um, I I think though. <laughs> I don't think it matters because I know this is going to sound like that. I just love the chiefs, but at the end of the game, whether you're up one or tied against the chiefs and you've given them the ball back with three minutes, you're losing that game 95 times out of a hundred. Like the odds are so against you, whether you're up one or you're tied. So I, either way, I don't think it matters. (laughs) The reason I don't like it, I get it if it's inside two minutes. And so you're basically saying, look, if we can get a defensive stop, this game's over. Like, if we can pin them back on this kickoff, we get this two-point conversion, we're forcing them to go 40, 50 yards in a fairly short space of time to win this. 
I don't like it inside four minutes. Well, with about four minutes left, because you're basically then just turning the Chiefs' offense. If they had successfully, if they'd converted the two point conversion, you're then turning them into a four down offense, and I feel like you have zero percent chance of stopping them then. <laughs> if you see what I mean, and so yeah, but I still think like, even if it's tied. I still think the Chiefs in the back of their head are like, no one can stop us under three minutes left when, when we need three points. But they did. I think you could argue maybe exactly the same scenario plays out. But then when the Raiders get the ball back, then they're all of a sudden in a situation of, OK, worst case scenario, we're going to overtime. But maybe we're getting to kick in a, f- a game winning field goal. I don't like against elite quarterbacks, elite offenses. I don't want to be up one point. I would much, I'd actually, honestly, as dumb as this sounds, and as much as this could get ripped apart by everyone doing any kind of level of statistical analysis, I don't want to be up by a point. Like if the if I have two choices, being up by one or being tied with four minutes left, I'll choose tied, as stupid as that is, because I just don't want to put the Are other you saying- team... Are you saying against the Chiefs? I think I think that's very team specific. I if think you it's told elite. me you're playing against, uh, I, I don't know, it's, pick it's, a team who can't fucking score points right now, the Denver Broncos. If it's against yeah. the Denver Broncos, I want to be up one against the Broncos. <laughs> yeah, get a safety. But I think <laughs> it's no. I think elite offense specific. So Bills, Chiefs, you know, throw. Yeah, in. I, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. I I completely understand what you're saying. Is that they have a little bit more incentive down one and a little bit more downs because they're going to go for it on fourth down. So you're giving them more you've, you've incentive and more opportunity as stupid to as want to score. You've given I get them, that. You've given them 25% more downs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like as it kind of plays out. And, and to me, for an offense that averages whatever yards per attempt that they probably have, giving them 25% extra downs you're almost guaranteeing failure. And and we've seen that play out in recent years, right? We saw it play out almost in, to a sense in the playoffs last year between the Bills and the Chiefs, where you just had two teams just like consist. Oh, oh, you, oh, you've gone out. Oh, you've taken the lead with a minute. Okay, we'll score. Oh, you've taken a minute. You've taken the lead with 13 seconds. Okay, we'll score. You know, like it was just, if you put them in the yeah. scenario of like, well, open up the playbook, do whatever we have to do now to get, X number of yards, they, they they probably will get it. Yeah, I mean, I I just think at the end of the day, you can't give the Chiefs any time. Like, I think the the worst thing they did was score that quickly. And I know that's like a stupid thing to say, where it's like you score when you can score. But I never want to give the Chiefs the ball back in the fourth quarter. That was one hell of a like throw, though, seconds. right? Yeah, it was. I know Deva- it was. Devontae Adams is getting so much credit for that, and look. His ability to get open, great catch. But Derek Carr's throw, just kind of casually slinging the ball 55 yards or whatever that is. I mean, it's just of looks... like, a, like, like a run hop. Yes. He was like it moving. Looked... Like it was really weird. He, he wasn't, he didn't put his like lower body into it. He was like it jumping and throwing it. Yeah. It looks, you watch the replays, it looks fake. I don't think, again, it's, it's that weird scenario, right, where different quarterbacks or different players, because Devontae Adams is kind of more of a star. He's getting more credit for that. If that is Patrick Mahomes making that throw, people are losing their minds for weeks over that Patrick Mahomes throw, about the arm strength, about the accuracy. I mean, he just dropped that in perfectly. You know, 
I and that's what's like I, I sometimes feel like people don't respect throws and quarterbacks enough for things like that because when you think about it, he had to put he had to get the exact distance and the exact like height and time to put it on him, and it wasn't like a standard throw where you could say like, oh, he's practiced that throw five hundred times. Of course, he knows like exactly how to throw it. 55 yards with the guy doing this he was literally like running and then like turn and like jumped in midair and threw it so at that point he's maybe tried that throw five times in his life you know like to hit that distance on like with that specific movement like that's just crazy when you think about how perfectly he puts it in there it's it's pretty amazing how quarterbacks can adjust things like that on the fly yeah, no, for sure. Look, the skills. Uh, yeah, I do think the skills of quarterbacks sometimes. The th- there are certain throws. And yeah, it kind of goes back to it, right? We spoke about it, I think, on the last episode where I said sometimes those Patrick Mahomes kind of like backyard plays, people lose their minds over. And that's just like, you know, a sim- relatively speaking, simple, like five-yard pass. I'd give myself more chance of pulling off one of those Patrick Mahomes scrambling and then tossing it to Travis Kelsey or, you know, name the receiver, I'd give myself way more chance of completing that than I would what Derek Carr did on Monday night. Yeah. So in terms of level of difficulty, I know which one is more challenging. But again, people just appreciate, and it goes for every sport, people appreciate things in different ways, which I don't think is necessarily associated with the actual skill level that goes into what the athletes themselves are doing. But I guess other major takeaways, I guess, look, you you were pretty confident about the Giants being decent coming into this season, and looks like you're going to be right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not a bad win. Like they're, they're finding ways to win. My only concern is you might get fans that now are over-optimistic. My, my concern as a Giants fan is, are you shooting yourselves? There's a lot of good quarterbacks coming into this next into next year's draft, right? No, there's. You know what? Because I'm I'm saving it for two years from now when Caleb Williams come out. Okay, he, he's going to be the next great quarterback. So All right. you don't need one next year. I don't actually won't. don't think, as someone who follows a lot of college football, I actually don't think next year's crop is legendary status. There's a lot of really good quarterbacks. Like there'll be a lot of quarterbacks taken off the board, but there is, I don't think there's like the next great quarterback in that crop. So I'm not concerned about that. And to be honest with you this year, Daniel Jones has played decently. He could be, he could be a Alex Smith and I will take that. No, I think Daniel Jones, look, I mean the criticism of Daniel Jones for the longest time, was how much he turned the ball over. And so in 2019, his rookie season, he turned the ball over 1.8 times per game. Unbelievable. That's in amazing. 2020, he turned the ball over 1.5 times per game. In 2021, he turned the ball over 0.9 times per game. And this season so far, he's turned the ball over 0.6 times per game, which is yeah, that's good. great. And in addition yeah. to that, he's only fumbled once this year. And only lost three fumbles last year. So again, I think fumbling was one of the big weaknesses people identified in those first couple of seasons. And he seems to have addressed that fact. So yeah, Daniel Jones probably looks a little bit better. The issue I would have is you're, you're talking about who the next great quarterback is. I'm going to immediately 
unapologize to Trevor Lawrence because he is absolute fucking garbage. <laughs> Speaking of turnovers, he's got seven in two weeks. <laughs> I called him. What is going on? That his. So I'm sure not many people watched the Jags Texans game because why would you? But his interception in the end zone to uh stingley who happens to be stingley's first interception now as a rookie that was one of the worst decisions i've ever seen a quarterback make yeah and again in a situation in which you absolutely it was we speak about this too right we spoke about it a little bit in the ravens bills game it's like the one thing you couldn't do it was like okay we can you can get yourselves up in a game that's low scoring wasn't the case so much in the raves ravens bills game that was more of a time issue but you were in the in the situation with the Jags Texans where it's like, okay, this is a field goal game. If you get yourself up by a field goal, you're probably going to win this game. Yeah. Instead to give the ball away. And then obviously that drive then gets extended through penalties and stuff, but you then put yourself, I mean, but all of the apologies I offered to Trevor Lawrence, they are off the table. So now he's going to go next week and have an epic game again. Maybe that's Maybe. what it is. Maybe it's just based off of what you say every week. So I, I guess the talking points I want to bring up for this week, I have two. First, I want to do most power rankings through all the various sources have three teams at the top, but they're all different in how they're ranking them. How are you ranking the Bills, 4-1, and one, the Chiefs, 4-1, and one, the Eagles, 5-0? and oh. Uh, well, Niners first. <laughs> Sorry, two lost teams don't get in there. Uh, I'll put it this way. In my legitimate, honest power rankings, I have the Niners above the Eagles. I mean that very genuinely. Still. You have that yeah. still? Yes. Okay. Because the Eagles this weekend did not exactly convince me that they're great in their performance against the Cardinals. I think they should have lost that game. You know, They kind of fell into the classic Cardinals trap of, Cardinals start slow, but then kind of come back into games. And by the end of it, I felt like the Cardinals were the better team. So I was not convinced with the Eagles. Uh, and and this weekend, in some respects, you know, they're playing the Cowboys, who, whilst I don't think are spectacular, they're kind of a good litmus test, I think, for how good of a team it, a good a team is, because you're kind of getting like a, a decent offense with probably a pretty good defense coming up against you. So... That will be a good test of how good they are. I have the Bills number one in my power rankings, but I don't know. They haven't beaten anyone good, right? Like, I think part of the reason why people, including myself, maybe including you, were so convinced by the Bills early on was how they just manhandled the Rams in the opening game of the season. Yeah. Turns out the Rams are absolute garbage. They so, are poopy. So <laughs> I am off the Rams. I am off the Rams train. <laughs> Fool me five times. Shame on me. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things of okay, who have they beaten? The Ravens are pretty good. They kind of scraped through that game and they lost to the Dolphins, but probably should have won that game. But then I don't think the Dolphins I mean the Dolphins even Taking Tua out, the fact that the Dolphins got destroyed by the Jets. And Bridgewater, though, too. I mean, they were on a third a, a third string QB. They still got destroyed. Not optimal. Like, uh, what happened to their defense? 
you know, if, even if I'd been playing quarterback, are you giving up 40 plus points against the Jets? But um, I think this is the issue. And the Chiefs, I'm putting the Chiefs too. I still think the Chiefs have so many flaws, but it's just a kind of vote of confidence for Mahomes, Kelsey, Andy Reid, and just their offense overall. But you know they've got flaws defensively. Offensively, they have flaws that they've never had before. They can't run the run the ball that effectively. They don't have that explosive pass game that they've had in previous seasons. So I'll put the Bills 1-2. The Bills 1, Chiefs 2. I don't love it, though. I, by the end of... I'll put it this way. Eddie, I think, the answer, I think by the end of the... Your answer is wrong. The correct answer is, let's just wait one week and find out. <laughs> because they are the Sunday afternoon game. <laughs> They are. I don't know if that game will necessarily answer those questions, though. Depends on if the Bills manhandle, dismantle the Chiefs, then I'll put them number one and I'll feel good about it. If the Chiefs just manage to have like a very Mahomesy Chiefs performance and kind of win a shootout. Mahomesy? Wow. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that would change my opinion of them because I think obviously the Chiefs can beat any team. We know that about them. I don't think that necessarily makes them the best team. Did you see Eddie after, well, speaking of the Dolphins, after they lost to the Jets, their uh, act to improve themselves was to remove the ping pong table from the locker room. <laughs> Did Problem you see solved. that? Problem solved. <laughs> there you go. That's been Mike the McDaniel, Mike McDaniel, very much like that. He thought it was a great, great responsibility by the captains for stepping up. <laughs> Yeah, that was that's their the issue. reason. Yeah. Yep. And look, I, I Cause, think because you know when you take a ping pong ball to the head, that could really affect you. That's yeah, to, you know, that's, that's what happens to Tua. A few yep. few too many ping pong balls to the head. It wasn't anything on the field. Look, you, I'm going to give you a little bit of credit, Frank. Credit you do not deserve. Speaking of this weekend, though, you have Is been it the Steelers. Yeah, you have been projecting, <laughs> predicting the downfall of the Steelers for as long as I've known you. And this might finally be the season. You are correct. It, it brings tears to my eyes just watching it. it tears of happiness uh, that they are just. I awful. think they're the worst team in the NFL. <laughs> I cannot wait for the official because every week now it's this might be Mike Tomlin's first under 500 season. I can't wait till three weeks from now when they've lost their ninth game or eighth game where it is official that it is his first losing season as a Steelers coach because it's coming and it's coming soon. Yeah, it's it's going to happen this season. They do not have an easy schedule coming no, up too, I think. No, you look at – they're playing the Bucks, then the yep. Dolphins. Lost. Okay, let's Lost. see. Uh, then the Eagles. Lost. The, then the Saints. Lost. Then the Bengals. Lost. Then the then the Colts. Ooh, my Colts, are, one by Colts there. are bad. Falcons. Falcons are bad. Okay. Then the Ravens. Good night. <laughs> that could be the stamp. That could be the sixty nothing loss. Stamp. So that's because December. That's December. December eleventh. The Ravens week one. Right. I think you get. One? Yeah, I think you get an early Christmas present, December 11th. I think that's when the Beautiful. Steelers officially have an under 500 season. So, but yeah, it's part of it's kind of sad, right? Because I do respect the element of that legacy of just consistently being decent. If you're a Steelers fan, this is probably ideal. You need to be, you know, 
as with any American sport. If you really want to get, they desperately need a quarterback. Like a, I know that they have a rookie quarterback in tow, but like, you need a super, you need a star quarterback. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean that's unfair to Kenny Pickett. I mean he's played, he actually didn't play awful in that game. It's just their team is awful. I will never believe in an athlete. No, I won't say an athlete. Kenny? Are you going to say named Kenny? I was going to say, but Kenny Dalgleish was very good, so I'm going to retract athlete. I'll never believe in a quarterback named Kenny. <laughs> Certain names give you confidence in a player's ability, and Kenny So is... Kenny doesn't, but Jimmy does. Jimmy oh, Cricket. Yeah. J- Jimmy's w- – I got way more confidence in Jimmy than I have in Kenny. You're confident in a Trey, too. Compared to a Kenny? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's like when you think, of, you think of the Cowboys, how much of their success. We, we kind of joked about his name being out of a fictional football movie. But how much of their success do you think is it's Cooper Rush? Like you just go, well, yeah. that, guy, that guy was born to play football, like with a name like that. How about how about Bailey? Is that ensuing confidence? Bailey Zappy? <laughs> no, but I still prefer that. That's quirkier. I still prefer that to Kenny. Kenny's way down in the bottom of the list of names I trust as, with my as a quarterback. So the second question I had for you is: at the start of the season and for the past few seasons, we've been hailing the NFC West as the dominant division in the NFC. Is it now the NFC East with the 5-0 and Eagles, 4-1 and Cowboys, 4-1 and Giants, and 1-4 and Commanders versus the NFC West of the 3-2 and Niners, 2-3 and Rams, 2-3 and Cards, 2-3 and Seahawks? No, it's not the NFC West. East, sorry. Um, no, look, I think the NFC West is no longer the strongest division in football. That's pretty clear. I'd still say if you had some weird, like, head-to-head battle, NFC West, NFC East, I think the NFC West comes out on top in that. If they each, it's like a round-robin tournament, they each play each other once. I think the NFC oh, West. Oh, okay, all the way. Yeah. See, like, I was going to do matchup by matchup. Okay, let's do matchup, ma- let's do seeding Eagles, matchup. Eagles, Niners. No, 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 because you go do it like a playoff format. So you have Eagles. Oh, I don't like that way. Well, sorry, because <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't sound as good for the NFC East. You go Eagles uh, against the Seahawks. Seahawks. Eagles win. Yeah, they're through the next round. You go Niners against the Commanders. Niners absolutely Niners win. win. They're through the next well, round. Niners win. Let's not use absolutely. You have Cowboys Cardinals. Cowboys. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not betting my life on it. And you have Rams Giants. <sighs> I mean, the Cowboys already beat the Rams. And the Cowboys in the Giants game was a very, very close game that the Giants probably should have won. I think the I think the Giants beat them. <laughs> I mean I, I I don't know. I don't know how I mean the Rams just look bad. They look terrible. They look very bad. And I, I get it. The Giants are winning games, and it's not pretty. Like, you could tell me the Giants are two and three after watching those games, and I would 
also believe that. But the Rams, you could tell me they're 0-5, and I would believe that after watching their games. I mean, they just look awful. Besides their de- – I mean, their defense is still strong. But I, I think strong is not matter. It's okay. It doesn't matter how strong your defense is. They have Aaron is. Donald. Score. They have Aaron Donald. And six times a game, he makes a pretty impressive looking play and gets, and, but sometimes Aaron Donald making a good play is just, ah, he really heard the quarterback there in completion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's the downside of a really good defense is sometimes it's just like, oh man, really forced Jimmy Garoppolo to get the ball out of his hands really fast there. Threw it out of bounds. <laughs> like that's what an impact Aaron Donald is making. But yeah, aside from Cooper Rush, uh, Cooper Rush, Cooper Cup. Uh, I mean, that's that. Who's who's the most important Cooper in in the NFL right now? Still Cooper Cup. He's still dominating. <laughs> I think only one for this. I think there's only one Cooper who's going to be on the team in the playoffs, and it, it's not Cooper Cup. Oh, I've got one more storyline. Okay. So I was in Denver on Thursday night, and I contemplated going to watch the Broncos game. That would have been the worst way I could have ever spent $100 in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's arguably the worst NFL game of all time. I mean, it's genuinely, right? It's and no, how no on t- earth? Are they on fucking primetime again this week? Yeah, four it's out of six. Unbelievable. Four out of six weeks, this the Broncos have been on in on had a, had a primetime game. Which, I'm I'm like I'm out. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna watch it, and it's very hard to get me to not watch football when it's the only game on. I have no desire to watch that. Yeah, it's tough, and it's a rough look for Russell Wilson. Right? It's just a yeah. I mean, it's. I think people. I think people proclaiming that the Seahawks have absolutely won that trade. It's a little too soon. If you see what I mean, like I do think we're 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 five weeks into a NFL season, and stranger things have happened than the Broncos to kind of figure themselves out at some point. They're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, but suddenly turn into a you know halfway decent team. They're not going to make the playoffs out of that division from the start they've had, but no. suddenly be okay, which means that that draft pick that they've given up in the first round next year all of a sudden is not a great pick. And then next year, maybe they're a pretty good team. Like, I don't think – I'm obviously – I'm not expecting the Broncos to win the Super Bowl during uh, Russell Wilson's time there, but I do expect them to get better. I do, I do think it's way too early to be absolutely proclaiming that the Seahawks won that trade. Yeah, I agree. And shit, I just realized they're playing the Chargers, so I'm going to watch that game. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. God damn you, Justin Herbert. <laughs> and look, that's just the time, right? Russell Wilson will beat Justin Herbert just to start convincing people that he still has Just to it. make me angry. Yes. <laughs> But all right, I guess that pretty much wraps up the sports discussion. I I mean, I guess the only other NFL thing to maybe mention was Ron Rivera absolutely throwing Carson Steamrolling. Carson, Carson Wentz under the, <laughs> under the bus. For those unfamiliar, he got asked why other teams in the NFC East were being successful and the commanders weren't. And his one-word answer to the question was quarterback. I mean, it's just... 
I think I've never seen a head coach just be willing to throw a starting quarterback just completely under the bus like that. But probably doesn't deserve too much attention. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it's uh, I guess we'll do our our preview on the next episode for the upcoming week. But NFL season and an interesting point, a lot of unknowns, a lot of unknown knowns so far. Yeah, and Matt Rule fired now, making that what the second or third QB to be fired in trusting Baker Mayfield. <laughs> head coach you mean head coach yeah fired yeah and trying to trust baker mayfield <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit of a head coach killer at the moment but i mean look <laughs> rule gets what like another 40 million dollars or something obscene yeah i don't think we have to shed too many tears for him yeah see i did see though that baker mayfield has the worst qbr rating right now for a season since they've started the qbr rating in 2007 out of any quarterback it's That's impressive. not good. But um, again, the only other sports story we've never we've never made mention. Have you been following the chess cheating scandal much? No, I didn't even know there was a chess. Oh, you know what? I saw a headline for it, but I was so bored by just reading the headline that I did not <laughs> click on it. <laughs> it's a fascinating story, you know, with the accusations that someone's cheated in a live chess game basically using like anal beads to receive sort of messages so that he could make the correct chess move. It's the type of scandal I never expected to be coming out of the chess world, but finally the chess world is getting some level of international attention and coverage. But yeah, we, if you want to follow that story more closely, we are probably not the podcast for you. I mean, You've got to give me some more specifics here. So the, Describe the, this mechanism. <laughs> I, so at the moment, it's pure speculation. But basically, you have a player who was previously found to have cheated in online games. And basically, in online games, they use sort of cheating detection software, which analyzes your previous style of play and approach, and then also compares it with the algorithms that obviously predict what the best possible move was and it kind of works out if at any moment in time you seem to stop playing in your typical way and start playing in the smartest possible way is basically how they're finding out whether or not you're cheating if you're started using some kind of uh, ai to make the correct chess move this guy has but been... sometimes isn't having isn't the best strategy having no strategy how does the computer detect that well, th so this is well, that's actually the thing is that's the one of the reasons is because the AI f doesn't have strategy. It makes the best move, f and so I mean, obviously, there's an element of strategy to what it's doing, but whereas a human is really trying to set up a particular strategy, the AI is more thinking, well, what are the best moves over the next couple of sort of what can I do right now that's the best. And that's kind of how they can see when you are cheating almost is when your moves become technically correct, but lack sort of strategic foresight, I think is basically what they're looking for. And he was found, he's admitted to cheating previously in online games. He denies cheating recently and he denies cheating in person in this game. Uh, he was cheating against Magnus Carlsen, who's the best chess player in the world at the moment. 
um, who then played him online in an online tournament subsequently and made one move and resigned in kind of protest because he said he didn't want to play in a tournament with a cheater present. Um, and then basically everyone said, well, the only way he could have been cheating. I don't really know how they made the leap to the like anal beads. I don't know exactly how it came about, that that was definitely the way he was doing it. But I feel the chess world is very convinced that he had some kind of vibrating device in his ass that was giving him, was relaying the correct chess moves to him. Like, it seems to me that there's a million alternatives to that that don't involve sticking something up your ass. <laughs> but the chess world is just, no, he had something up his ass. Why can't it just be like under his shirt like, or something? I don't know. Maybe they check. Maybe they do some kind of search of you. They, so they strip kind search of, you, but not fully. Know. They don't not do ca- full strip search. It's not prison. They don't do a cavity search. No. But yeah. maybe they have to start doing that. I would Amateurs. tune in. I would tune into chess if at the start of each game <laughs> they had to like bend over and spread their ass cheeks. If that was part of it, I'm I'm all in. I'm replace Sunday night football with Sunday night chess. I'm fine. <laughs> I had to spread my butt cheeks as my concho. <laughs> yes. But then Talladega Nights. <laughs> well, movie reference. Maybe we can move on then to the TV portion of the discussion. So the question is, do we start our TV discussion with the Lord of the Rings or the Rings of Power? I guess we should refer to it as the, the penultimate episode or the House of the Dragon. Penultimate, penultimate episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where would you like to start? Um, I have to say I, I, neither were great. Rings of Power had a lot of momentum. And then this episode, I understand what's disappointing is Game of Thrones, what I loved in the original series, which obviously you didn't see, their penultimate episodes were like killer episodes. That's where it was the best episode. So much happened. It changed the season. And then the next one was kind of like a recovery episode where they kind of just set it up for the next season. Lord of the Rings or Rings of Power went the opposite. And they said, let's just have a a filler episode and kind of get settle off of what happened, the excitement of last week and play up for the finale. So not much happened in terms of action. It's a lot of setup. And I think it really depends on the finale at this point, because if they set it up and this finale kills, I could care less that episode seven was a little bit of a downer when six was a great one. It it was probably the weakest episode so far. And I do agree with you. It did feel like a little bit of a filler, which is a shame for them because their episodes are are long. You know, you're talking about hour and 15 minute long episodes. So when it's nothing substantial happens, you do kind of walk away feeling as if you watch nearly a full movie basically without anything kind of happening in it. But, and it, and yeah, it, I get it because, yeah, you do see it. It, it really set. depends, I think, on this next episode. Yeah, we're set for. There's a lot of things. That, the thing I guess I would find, I might find frustrating going into this final episode is there's so many balls currently in the air. Will this episode just wheel through them in terms of answering, like, is the guy Sauron, which I think presumption is he is? Yeah. 
do we get that answer in this episode? Maybe we don't. Because I think they're supposed, I think they're projecting to do five seasons of this. I think they've, is what they've already sort of said is the goal. That obviously it's a little bit performance based, I'm sure. But I think the. Yeah, five. So maybe they don't have to answer that particular question in this episode. You feel like they have to answer who the weird wizard is. Or get some indication of who he is. No, I don't think you're going to get any of those. I mean, I'm okay with not learning those things, but I I would like some action. Especially, I mean, with the stranger storyline, I want some action. So so what do you think is going to happen? If we're not getting either who is the weird wizard or is that guy Sauron? The stranger, Eddie, the stranger. (laughs) Who's the stranger? Okay, yeah, whatever. I prefer weird (laughs) wizard. the The big guy. The big, the big guy. The normal size guy with short people. With Harfoots, Eddie. Come on, yes. get the terminology right. You don't gotta be a jerk. Um, <laughs> don't disrespect Nora like that. <laughs> oh, I, I that storyline to me, that's the one downer. Every time the Harfoot storyline comes in, I could just go to sleep. But I do like the stranger part. But now that the stranger has left... Now I really don't care about the Harfoots very no. much. Because, I mean, here's the thing. It was is, good when they were together, but Harfoots alone, not so much. Hobbits in general, right? Least interesting race. Like, they, they bring nothing. They got no uh, See, skill. we talked about this. This is, like, a very hot issue. Like, most people love the Hobbits in they're, the Lord of the Rings movies. They're idiots. They're, I think... <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I can understand someone liking the Hobbits is because the Hobbits is us. Like the Hobbits is the average person rising to the occasion. No, man is the average person. No, because the Hobbit is, they have no special skills. They're unassuming. They're unsuited to all of the physical challenges that they're about to face. They are the... Oh, maybe that's you. No, it's the epitome of the average person rising to the moment kind of overcoming a massive challenge like that's what the whole hobbit lord of the Rings story kind of tells you right is in a world filled with people with greater advantages than them these hobbits manage to inspire others just because well why would the hobbits be doing it when the elves won't or you know i mean the thing is it just fundamentally comes back to like the elves just be doing everything i don't get how the elves just don't kill everyone all the time because they're just so amazing but (laughs) you know you know what i mean no every every time you see the elves in battle we spoke about on the last episode right but like every time you see the elves you're just like okay they're just incredible like why aren't they just sending nine elves to kill all the orcs you know, what I mean, like, how many L's would it take? Like, why? <laughs> you know, but it's very true. But, um, but the hobbits themselves, okay, the Bilbo Baggins and the Frodo storylines were interesting, but these ones, I, I they could just. I don't need to watch some people slowly walk around, occasionally sing an annoying song. You know, what I mean? like I can do without it. Oh, that Get, song was good, Eddie. It was awful. I, I draw the line there. I enjoyed that song. The uh, Those Who Are Wander Are Not Lost song. Yes. That was a good one. I hated I that, that song. Um, I know. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's... um, Yeah, overall, I could just do without most of this yeah. storyline. 
but but I mean I, I yeah this episode again like I said this episode all depends on the next episode if they have a good finale and I don't think they necessarily need to answer the big questions but at least get good progress in some of those storylines like have the stranger meet up with those guys that are chasing him and have something happen I'm okay with that but like if if after this season they're still just chasing him down it kind of gets annoying yes yeah there's too many questions it's you can't fall into that trap that TV shows sometimes do of leaving. It's the lost approach, right? Of too many an- yep. unanswered questions for too long. Who are those people? Who is that guy? Who's this guy? There's a certain moment in time you got to answer some of those questions for me. And then let's step by step. You don't have to do it in one episode, yep. but you got to give me some of the answers so I don't just feel like, are you just keeping it going and thinking, which one of these is whichever one of these seems the most interesting. We'll just keep that. We're like testing the waters on which one people find the most intriguing. I mean, I guess the hope is that the showrunners have at least an outline of the entire show. Well, I think they've already from... start started making season two. I think. Uh, no, but I, but I mean it in the sense that they already have like what's going to happen, which I mean, theoretically everyone knows what's going to happen. I mean, they say it in the beginning of the Lord of the Rings, but that, do you know what I mean? Like that every, like they know what the big arcs are and how they're going to resolve. Whereas something like lost, they went off and said, Hey, let's try this show out and make it crazy. And then once they started, kept getting renewed season after season, they were like, Oh shit. Now we need, we need to do another season. What do we do now? Like, we don't know where to go from here. Let's go this way. You know, like it's completely different when you're making a show on the fly versus when you're making a show already knowing how you want things to end up and how to have them wrap up. So I hope they have that. If they don't, then that's really, that's not good. (laughs) No, I agree. Yeah, I do. I will say people have obviously been critical of uh, uh, the diversity. Who cares? The lack of strong male characters within the TV show. Some people have been critical of. I didn't love the... uh, the ship's captain, whatever his name is, just turning into an absolute sissy at the end of the episode, just like because his, well, son... his son died. <laughs> yeah, and then suddenly he's just lost the complete sense of duty. You know, like just looking into the distance and crying. That bit I could have done without. That didn't seem necessary because is he going to suddenly regain his composure when his son reappears? We know his son is definitely still alive, right? Like that's that horse has run off to find his son. Yeah, which. So- that I don't like. <laughs> no, it's because they have. At such some a... point, I- I'm okay with fantasy stories, but at some point, there's no way a horse is running back and is gonna like pull him out of a burning fire surrounded by orcs. But like, it's the deep. If emotion... that happens, I might be out. <laughs> it's the deep emotional attachment that you know his mother taught him that. Yeah. So yes. All right, on to House of the Dragon, which is trying to bring leprosy back in the zeitgeist. Yeah, for really? sure. I, I will say this. I enjoyed the episode, but it was a little too much of certain things. Example one, I'm okay with you showing me how much Viserys is deteriorated. <laughs> That's fine. I don't need to see 35 minutes of it. Yeah. And it it's just frustrating because the one scene where they're talking to him, it takes him a minute to say three words. 
And at a point, you're like, can we just speed this fucking conversation? How up? about how about when he slowly walked through? Wasn't that inspirational? See, now I'm, no, I'm okay if that were like the big scene. Like if that was like, how bad is Viserys? And then you see him slowly like crawl up like, oh shit, he's fucked. Like I'm okay. And that actually was a pretty good scene. You know, like it, like you could tell that there was like a lot of effort put into that scene. And then like when his brother like helped him up, that was, that's fine. Like I'm okay with that. I didn't need then before that, when he's talking to Otto Hightower while they're like picking his scabs for five minutes and he can barely breathe. I don't need that scene. Because what was the point of that scene? I want supper. That's it. Five minutes for him to say, I want supper. <laughs> like, they ha- like it was a little too much of, we get it. He's going to die. He's in rough shape. We get it. No. They've had him going to die since episode two. The guy won't die. Oh, That's- he's dead. Now he's dead. <laughs> yeah, you think. Wouldn't surprise me if, <laughs> I mean, would it? He's like riding a dragon next episode. <laughs> Full mask. <laughs> would it stun you if he's not dead? You know what I mean? Like, would it really stun you that much? Um, no, I think that was like, like a tip of the hat to to Patty Constantine. Constantine, Tine, Tine, Tine? I always get it wrong. I think that was like his like farewell episode. Okay, well, he's so dead. long. He's got to be dead. <laughs> Which which rough beat for that guy because he's a great actor and to have to play that role <laughs> that sucks. Well, just I think in terms of the time he must have had to spend getting makeup and stuff done, that's got to be the real downer. Yeah, like it's got to suck to have them remove your eye for a whole episode and then have to put it back. That couldn't have been fun. I'll separate the fact that his leprosy made him age at a just awfully horrific rate. The fifty-two in- years old he was Is that, as yeah. when he died. Yeah. In 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 fake his, book history, okay. fake fake history of sort of fake retelling of fake book history, um, the inconsistent aging of all the other characters just drives me insane. The kids age massively, look complete. I don't know how they picked out who plays older versions of each character. They might have just pointed at random people on the street because for whatever they say about how they tried to find people who look the same, every time, none of the characters look similar from one to the other. But everyone else, like for the most part, all of the other older characters haven't don't aged. Age. They don't age. <laughs> they maybe add a wrinkle, like they add some, like a little, a couple crow's feet or they put a couple gray hairs in like the the queen's guard guy or king's guard guy you know the christian cole christian cole has aged now what would have been about 20 years since the first episode and he has gone from being let's say let's say he was 18 even though it's not right he's probably like 20 in the first ones so he'd have have at least 40 by now yes and he has i don't know a couple of very slight wrinkles and hints of some gray hair, but fundamentally looks identical. And, you know, like all the other characters, there's some like very mild aging going on, but it's nothing. Even some of the older people, the the hand or whatever it is, he's reappeared, looks the same. He seemed pretty old at the start of the story. 
You know what I mean? Like he, he must looks have... slightly older. When if 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 you see the pictures I just saw today, the pictures side by side, he does look older. But I'll give you a good one. How old do you think Damon is? Well, this is the issue. In right? this last episode, episode eight. How old is Damon Targaryen? He must be in his forties, right? He's forty-eight. He, yeah. he still looks like he's thirty. <laughs> yeah. Now they haven't aged him much at all. But I mean, that's part of the issue too. Is even taking away the leprosy, he and his brother have just consistently looked as if they were generation, generation, generationally right. different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like but that's that's the way to the crown, Eddie. Looking younger? No, Viserys looks older. Much older. He's like Obama. The crown yeah, has but, aged him. Oh, the weight of the crown. I thought you said the way of way to the crown. Yeah, no, the weight were... of the crown. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's um it's not it's just it's the aging inconsistency really, really bothers me. <laughs> okay, so I got I'll just Two scenes I think we should discuss this before we, we end this. One, were you expecting the head chop? Um, sort of. I was definitely expecting some kind of killing there. I, again, I, I kind of took issues. I don't know what a head looks like if it's sliced in half. I think it definitely doesn't look like that, though. No, it does. It'll hunt. No, that's <laughs> good. You know what I mean? Like, it seemed to be sliced at his mouth, but he kind of had brains visible on his bottom half. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, where you wouldn't have brains. Like, it, it just didn't seem that kind of bothered me because it just didn't look at all realistic. Like, he just had his untouched tongue hanging out. Let him a, keep his tongue. Yeah. But, like, nothing. If you're about to slice a guy's head off, you got to have a good line like that prepared. <laughs> and then hope that it comes through. And I hope it makes it. And if it doesn't, you go and put his tongue back in. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, it was, but yeah, I'm, I was fine with that as as a very as a yeah. killing. Yeah, sure. At this point, I think he is keeping the show alive. Matt Smith, he is doing a phenomenal job as Damon Targaryen. I mean, he has the best character for sure. He has the most interesting character, right? He's he's given he's been given one of the few characters that you kind of feel like you sort of know and has multiple layers to them. Everyone else just seems like very one-dimensional. Actually, I'll say this. I think there's only two characters that are multidimensional, really. I I think there have been characters who are multidimensional over the course of the series in terms of they had different dimensions, but at any one particular time it is one-dimensional, if you see what I mean. That well, most are in three dimensions. But Damon Targaryen and actually the other person who I think does actually Allison, pretty... the queen. No, um, the the queen of the the other queen who's um, the queen that never was. Yes, I actually think she does a good job. Rainies. Yes, she does a good job in her role, but it, she's obviously limited screen time. But I actually feel like whenever she's there, she kind of delivers. There's something to yeah. it. Everyone else, it's just like wet sponges. <laughs> I think I think uh, Rhaenyra and and Alicent, the the queen, I think they're they're pretty good. Are they? It's so uninteresting. Yeah. Their whole storyline is just like, why do you all dislike each other so much? Like it's just such an obvious like you want power but you don't want power. You know, it's just oh, gosh, it's so painful. 
Oh, that's point number two. Speaking of painful and speaking of the NFL adopting a new concussion protocol, someone better get that young kid into concussion protocol because that Aegon Targaryen smashed that kid's face into the table during the fight and no one said anything. Yeah. That kid is in concussion protocol, even in even there in Westeros. He's got to be put on the bench because he just got his head smashed. Like that came out of nowhere. One kid gets pushed and then it escalates to the other kid getting his face smashed. That kid got a rough beat. <laughs> yeah, and I get why they kind of didn't allow that fight to develop more than it did. But you did sort of feel as if sort of possibility of Damon, right? The Matt Smith character stepping yeah. in. Like there was the sort of macho dismissiveness of the, when he stepped off, like a kind of mutual respect, a sort of, okay, you, I won't mess with sort of thing. Yeah. And it's the seeming admiration that you get from that other character, the guy with one eye that he had both when he chopped the head off. And then in that role, there's obviously some level of respect there that they're kind of building towards. Yeah. He's but, mini. He's mini Damon. Yes, but still, it would have been nice to have some kind of. Oh, you. Oh, you want them to face off, Eddie? Oh, take okay. out the other eye. How does this kid with no depth perception evolve into just this incredible the best fighter? fighter? Yeah, like how does that happen? I three seconds into that courtyard fight scene i said no way with one eye are you a good fighter i'm sorry you no. physically can't no it's impossible absolutely you don't have depth perception i would just throw an apple in his direction and then swing my sword you know just like <laughs> just like you'd just be confused by which yeah. object's coming at me where is it now i think that's an issue and seemingly i mean i i get kids hit growth spurts but how does he look seven years older than every other kid when he's the second – he's the younger of the brothers? Oh, the inconsistency in the growth of the kids. They've all grown at different rates. Like, and I know in the books he is like – that's his thing. Like he's the he's like a big, strong kid and a great fighter. But doesn't even, doesn't even come close. <laughs> Can I also – as a scientist, I want to ask you a genetic question too here. So – Obviously, such a major plot line of this is the fact that her children, original children, do not look like uh, Valerians. Is that what they are? With the blonde hair. The no, big... Targaryens. Targaryens. Big giveaway, no blonde hair. What is the recessive dominant gene within that blonde hair? Because you have the king has children with... The second Alice queen, Hightower, who is not all dark haired. Everyone in that family is dark haired. Pure, pure blondes comes out of it. Yeah. She has children with uh, the strong, whatever, has pure brown haired, then has children with uh, Matt Smith's character, blonde hair. What, what are the recessive dominant genes in this blonde hair, pale skin yeah. situation? I mean, that's definitely yeah like a, a fictional part too to drive that story because i i said i said the same thing i could get maybe one of allison's kids to be dark but i guess the issue would be right if if they were lanor's kids they wouldn't be dark haired they'd either be white haired or blonde haired and 
white or black in color. But they could have made him. They could have made them not look like. They didn't have to make them just carbon copies of their dad. You know yeah. what I mean? You see what I mean? Like it's just this weird thing where every other child just doesn't look like. There's no kind of shared not physical traits with anyone else, and it's like, well, no, no, no. But these kids, for whatever reason, both of these kids looking the strong genes are strong genes, seemingly. Yeah. <laughs> Although I did like that little speech that kid gave. The uh the the B the BDE uh Targaryen. Oh the big the, dragon energy. This the, with the, <laughs> with the strong very reference. strong voice. And then he doubled down on it. Like yeah, he's got he's playing the A hole card real strong. <laughs> he's a good actor too. He's been in a lot of like BBC series and stuff. He's a good actor. So I mean we'll what's will be interesting is next week when we talk because you'll have the finale of rings of power. And if house of dragon plays like the original game of Thrones, this next episode will be the big episode. So we'll have two big episodes hopefully next week. Yeah. I mean, you're assuming that the King is dead. So the next episode is the decision-making over who is inheriting the throne and setting up all of that side of things. But you know, it's, you know, it's about to start Eddie. The Dance of the Dragons. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Well, cool. <laughs> Speaking of cool, what was the one scene where he's like, hey, look, I found some dragon eggs. <laughs> where did that scene come from? <laughs> I'm assuming that's of significance later on that they have three extra dragons, but it's true that it, it just was there and then gone. It was just like, oh, yeah. Like, let's switch into a sci-fi movie for five minutes. <laughs> no, it's true that they didn't. Like, they could have just told us later on, yeah, we found three dragon eggs. And I wouldn't want to say, well, you should have shown me when you found them in some mud. Otherwise, I don't believe you. But now we go, okay, yeah, he, yeah. he found three. <laughs> and not only three dragon eggs, right? Three dragon eggs from the biggest dragon. Yeah. No, it wasn't the biggest, was it? I think that's what it was. Who knows? I don't care. I find it all massively (laughs) dorky. I somewhat hate myself for watching it. On that note, should we wrap things up? All right, let's wrap it up. Now that you established you hate yourself. (laughs) I'll talk to you later. See ya.